Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Have you ever heard of the 39 Steps? No, what's that, a pub? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. These guns you laugh in. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. This is Simon Rose. You join us for the Business Film, where, of course, I'm talking to James Cameron Wilson as we dissect what has been happening at the UK box office. James, over to you. (laughs) Well, for three weeks running now, it's been a dip at the UK box office. And again, last weekend, well, it went down 34%, which is not good. But then we only had one major new release. So... It's hardly surprising. So let's look at the bad news. And hopefully I can end on a little bit of good news. At number one, we have Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which opened. I know, I know. It opened at number one, then it was number two, then it was number three. It's bounced back up to number one. It has overtaken the entire UK gross of the first Sonic the Hedgehog, which I quite enjoyed which itself was a surprise hit. Mm -hmm. It's down only 20% in a rather disastrous weekend. It's made £1.6 million uh, last weekend, and it's now got a total of 20.2 million quid. And all I can say to our listeners is, please avoid it. It's awful. (laughs) It's not really up to them, I imagine, whether they are or not, but they're offspring. Um, and yet it wasn't half, I mean, half term was the week before, so it wasn't half term last week. Well, weekend, it was still was it? Easter holidays last weekend. Was they it? didn't go back until this week. Oh, okay. I think yeah. that I have children in my life, so oh, I, I think I do that know this. I think that might be different in London, even back longer than that. I think, or oh, maybe I just get my weekends mixed up. Okay, okay. Well, be that as it may, we've got another one. Uh, Number two, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, which was at number two, still at number two which made just under £1.6 million, Mm. down 40%, which this is, the I think, the best of the three Fantastic Beasts film, which is not saying a lot. It's now got a total of £16.5 quid in the bank. At number three, we've got The Lost City, which was at number one last weekend, which made £1.4 million, down 50% with a total of 5.6 million, which of course is the new Sandra Bullock, Mm. Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe, Brad Pitt action (laughs) romance. Which you rather enjoyed, I seem to recall. I really enjoyed the first third enormously. Mm. I thought Brad Pitt stole the film. I think Sandra Bullock is a natural comedian. I enjoyed a lot of it. It was a rerun, really, of Romancing the Stone. But then, of course, it gets silly, as so often these things do. I wonder what Romancing the Stone would be like if we watch it now. Or did you watch it in preparation for seeing The Lost? Sadly, I didn't. I do occasionally watch old films. I, Well, in between you and me, I watched Lady Jane last night for 
all sorts of reasons with Helena right. Bonham Carter. And oh, okay. it was terrible. Nothing like I remembered at all. And oh, I thought she was dreadful. I thought, this actress is not going anywhere. <laughs> anyway, I quite liked her at the time, and she did go somewhere. At number four, we have Operation Mincemeat, which was at number five. So it's crawled up one rung of the ladder, down only 15%, with a total of 2.6 million. This, of course, is the Second World War true story directed by John Madden with Colin Firth. Fascinating true story. And was certainly my film of the week last week. At number five, we've got The Bad Guys, which was at number six. So that's gone up as well, down a mere 9%, with a total of 9.4 million, which is yeah, that would be my favourite film in the top 10 now, which is a dreams work cartoon with Sam Rockwell channeling George Clooney in a cartoon heist movie where, of course, they are animals. At number six, we've got The Northman, which I thought was dire, which got rave reviews, which was at number four, down 22%, with a total of £2.4 million, which is now Robert Eggers' Biggest hit ever at the UK box office, and I suspect around the world as ever. I just found it ridiculously dark, over-the-top, mm. violent, stilted. I did not go for this. I just don't understand it. it. It is original, and I think so many critics are relieved to see anything that comes along that's original. Mm. Yes. That they give it high praise, but I think members of the public will not be so happy with it. At number seven, we do have a new film, Simon. The unbearable, <laughs> the unbearable weight of massive talent. Now, oh, yes. Nic Nicolas Cage has had quite an extraordinary career, working with the likes of his uncle, France, Francis Ford Coppola, Alan Parker, Oliver Stone, the Coen brothers, John Woo, Michael Bay, Werner Herzog, Norman Jewison, Ridley Scott, and notably with Spike Jones on adaptation, in which the actor played two versions of the same character, both alter egos of the film's script writer, Charlie Kaufman. Now Nicolas Cage is playing two more characters simultaneously on screen, also alter egos of a real person. In this case, Nicolas Cage. It doesn't get more meta than this. Except this Nicolas Cage is a bourbon-swigging, arrogant, frequently married film star, obsessed with movies, and indeed with himself. While watching The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, I kept on thinking what Charlie Kaufman, or Werner Herzog, or Ricky Gervais would have made of the same material. As it is, the film marks the second feature of Tom Gormican, who previously directed the formulaic, vacuous, mechanical, predictable and shallow rom-com, That Awkward Moment, which was distinguished by the presence of Miles Teller, Michael B. Jordan, Imogen Poots and Mackenzie Davis, with Zac Efron top build. In Tom Gormican's new film, Nicolas Cage, as Nicolas Cage, spends his time being fawned on by everybody he meets. This guy's an effing legend, claims one. Another suggests that he is a gift to the whole human race. To be fair to the actor who plays Nicolas Cage, 
Nicolas Cage, he did resist playing himself in the unbearable weight of massive talent, but John Travolta was not available. So he ended up producing the film himself. According to Wikipedia, he turned it down three or four times. But from the indigestible title to the obnoxious protagonist to the overextended gags, the film is an embarrassment. From the endless roll call of past Nick Cage movies to a ludicrous plot involving the head of an international arms cartel, played by Pedro Pascal, who also happens, of course, to be a major Nick Cage fan. I mean, isn't everybody? It is an unbearable waste of time. The five people in the cinema with me all walked out. By the end, wow. I was the only person left in the cinema. Well, the duty manager admitted he didn't actually know who Nicolas Cage was. <laughs> so the film would have been totally lost on him. If you don't know anything about Nicolas Cage, you're just not going to get it. Yeah, and I he was... hasn't been a massive star for a long time, really, has he? He got really good reviews last year for a film called Pig, yes, which but... I failed to see. But yeah. if you look at his filmography, they're all pretty direct to video yeah. titles um, and pretty... Rubbish. I was so depressed by this film. I went home and binged on the second series of Ozark on Netflix and the cute new LGBTQ sitcom Heartstopper, a refreshingly inventive and authentic gay romance for today's youth, starring Kit Connor, who played the young Elton John in Rocket Man, Joe Locke, and William Gow, all of whom have terrific futures ahead of me ahead of them and i see that it's got a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes so that was my treat for having sat through the unbearable weight of massive talent so see heartstopper instead okay. number eight number eight we've well, got... should we take a, should we take a pause there or do we want to get through all 10 before we take a break well yeah, look, let, let, we're almost at the end, so okay, we don't have much right. to talk about. Uh, number eight, we've got The Batman, which was at number nine, down 51% for a total of £40.5 million. Morbius at number nine, which was at number 10, down 52% with a total of £6.2 million. Number 10, we've got KGF Chapter 2, an Indian action drama in Hindi, down 71%, which was at number eight. But I think I should mention at number 12, we've got Sing 2, which eclipsed the take of the first film now by £3.2 million. And at 13, I wanted to end on a positive note. The worst person in the world, Simon, yes, has jumped up by 6%. Oh, so it's still going, though I don't imagine it's taking a massive amount of the box office. It hasn't made a million yet, mm. but the way it's going, it might claw it way to that seven figure sum it and is nice film... to, it is nice to see a, 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 a you know a small movie actually hanging on in there because as we have discussed on so many occasions over the past few years you know the days in which small films could could build by word of mouth mostly seem to have long gone well it hasn't been a great week uh, next we've got downton abbey a new era coming this yes, weekend yes, yes. not to be confused of course with the nicholas cage cartoon the Croods, A New Age. This is a new era. 
So hopefully that will brighten up the box office over the weekend. There is some anticipation for another Downton Abbey film. Okay. Let's uh, take a breather. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to The Business of Film on Share Radio, where I'm in conversation with James Cameron Wilson as we have delved down to number 13 in the box office chart. So where are you <laughs> going to take us now, James? Well, having... Well, I did spend a lot of time on Netflix and having loved Heartstopper, um, I thought I ought to see a proper movie because this is a, a movie show after all. Mm. So I watched The Bubble, which is about the making of a franchise blockbuster during lockdown. Hollywood has ground to a halt here. Like, like much of the rest of the world, and as one character puts it, there's us and there's Tom Cruise. The production in question is the sixth instalment of the 23rd biggest action franchise of all time and is called Cliff Beasts 6, Battle for Everest, Memoirs of a Requiem. And judging by the artwork, it's a ripoff of the Jurassic World brand. In fact, the bubble was directly inspired by the behind-the-scenes events of Jurassic World Dominion. And like many a Hollywood blockbuster, it is being shot in England, where the production personnel look like they've walked off the set of the Dustin Hoffman movie Outbreak. Since the easing of lockdown, at least in the UK, the fi in real life, the film already feels kind of quaint and nostalgic, but it's still fun to see Hollywood stars having to undergo... Mm the indignities that we all had to and are still suffering with outsized cotton buds shoved up their noses. Surprisingly, The Bubble on Netflix is produced, written and directed by Judd Apatow, of course, who's best known for The 40-Year-Old Virgin and Knocked Up. So yes, there is plenty of sex, foul language and American med men behaving badly. The worst of the bunch is Pedro Pascal, currently to be seen in the unbearable weight of a massive talent as a deranged Nicolas Cage fan. And here he's no better playing a so-called serious actor addicted to sex and hard drugs who wanders around asking people if they'd like to sleep with him. The principal location is a stately manor somewhere in England, which doubles as a hotel for the stars and production staff as they go through two weeks of luxurious isolation. As with most spoofs, it's a kind of hit-and-miss affair, albeit considerably better than Scary Movie and its sequels. Much of the humour is on the obvious side, knowingly played for the biggest laugh, wink, wink, but it sort of settles into its stride. Although it's an ensemble piece, the star is Karen Gillan, who is no stranger to franchise movies herself, having played Amy Pond in Doctor Who, mm -hmm. the blue alien Nebula, in six Marvel films now, and Ruby Roundhouse in the Jumanji movies. Here she plays Carol Cobb, who ducked out of the last instalment to star in an Israeli-Palestinian drama that ended up raising just 4% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
So she's coerced into returning to her old role of Carol Cobb as um, apparently a film set is now the safest place on earth. Although she's meant to be the female lead, Carol Cobb keeps on finding herself with fewer and fewer lines. There's a running joke that she's too old for the role now. Karen Gillan herself is 34. And a TikTok sensation, Crystal Chris, has been brought in to appeal to a younger demographic, played by Iris Apatow, the daughter of Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann, mm -hmm. who also has a role in the film as a character in Clip Beasts, and still holds a grudge against Carol Cobb for abandoning the series. In fact, the film's funniest moments come from Karen Gillan because she plays it absolutely straight, while the male actors in the cast tend to goof off to decreasing effect, except for David Duchovny, who has never been funnier as the male lead, who thinks he's an uncredited producer on the film, in the film, and the guardian of the franchise. And Maria Bakalova, who was nominated for an Oscar for her role in Borat subsequent movie film, is brilliant in this, also excellent value as a hotel clerk. In fact, I found myself laughing more in the movie's second half as the in-jokes and starry cameos, we've got James McAvoy playing himself, as, as it all gathers traction. Even if it all seems rather outdated now, the film, I think, will stand as an amusing time capsule of a period of bizarre Hollywood history. But unlike The Lost City, which I loved the first half and then went off it, this one, <laughs> I really found myself laughing quite a lot. There's a wonderful sequence where they're all taking acid. One of the characters, who's a COVID safety officer, segues into, thanks to CGI, into Benedict Cumberbatch. And David Duchovny is saying, stop being Benedict Cumberbatch. You have to be there to see it. But no, it, it, is, it is quite a blast. It doesn't all work, but Karen Gillan is so funny. Do you know Karen Gillan? Yes, of course I do. Okay, yes. she is really good in this. For me, she's, she really made the movie. She's very entertaining in Doctor Who. I'm not sure I've watched much of it since her. I'm trying to remember who came after her. No, she was very amusing in that. So she I played the Doctor's companion, Amy Pond? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. She, and she was fantastic in the Jumanji films as well. Yeah, I'm not sure I've seen many of... She's very, very funny. Who would have thought? Um, anyway, we've got time, I think, briefly to talk about All the Old Knives, which is out on Amazon Prime, produced mm -hmm. by Pot Boiler Productions, which really says it all. Besides being a pot boiler, it is a love story, a hijacking drama, a mystery thriller, a political drama, and a suspense who did it. It is also the second film in a fortnight to feature a male star whose leading lady is older than he is, which is a good thing. Last week, I reviewed The Lost City with Sandra Bullock and the considerably younger Channing Tatum. And in All the Old Knives, Chris Pine is a mere palette knife in the kitchen drawer of subterfuge. Mm -hmm. The film is based on the novel of the same name by Olin Steinhauer, who adapted it himself with the Danish filmmaker Janus Metz behind the camera. This is one of those in infuriating films which by withholding as much information as possible from the viewer the audience has no idea of what is going on even so the characters are eager for us to know where we are which is why Lawrence Fishburne as a CIA boss says well here in Vienna 
because <laughs> nobody knows where yeah. he is. Yeah. Well, he's certainly not in Vienna, perhaps because my familiarity <laughs> with the back streets of Soho knows that that passage that leads from Water Street to Berwick Street <laughs> isn't in the middle of the Austrian <laughs> capital. <laughs> but that's oh, my loss. I'm sure this wouldn't bother audiences in Kabul or Colorado. It all starts very dramatically aboard a Turkish plane parked in the tarmac at Vienna Airport, where a hostage situation is getting out of hand. The body of an air stewardess, corpse, I should say, sorry, flight attendant, yeah. is being dragged down the aisle of the plane as the passengers look on in horror, all of whom are to perish shortly afterwards at the hand of jihadist terrorists. But that was then, 2012, and today the CIA has reopened the case as they suspect that a mole in their office may have been instrumental in the tragedy. And so the film flicks back and forth in time, and we are roughly able to follow the events due to the colour of Chris Pine's beard, a grey drizzle on the chin today, a fashionably two-day dark growth back then. He has called on to interview fellow spook Celia Harrison, played by Tandawee Newton, who is now retired with a husband and two kids, living in Carmel-by-the-Sea in California. Much of the action takes place in a restaurant where they meet in the present day while dashing back and forth to 2012 and dripping us exposition when the screenplay sees fit. My problem is with the dialogue, which is designed to impress. For instance, when Lawrence Fishburne, CIA boss, is told that doors are being slammed in their face, um, he barks, well, then we're going to have to start asking the Austrians to break down some doors. Do people really speak like this? Is Jonathan Rice really meant to be American? John, sorry, Jonathan Price really meant to be American? This is actually an American film, largely shot in London, but it feels like what used to be known as a Euro pudding. I found it schematic and implausible. And I really don't care what happened or what was going to happen next. I kept on waiting for the film to settle down, which it never really did. Although I did think Tandy Newton, sorry, Tanda Wee Newton, made it almost constantly watchable. She is the best thing in it, like Karen Gillan was the best thing in mm. the bubble. I thought she was the best thing in, in it. And she does do a very uh, good American accent. And of course, she's been much in the news this last this month i don't know if you were aware of it uh for why i can't think i'm in the mic she be. was shooting on the new magic mike film with the aforementioned channing tatum and according to somebody on the set they had a row about the oscar slap between will smith and chris rock and it just got more and more heated she he jumped into a car drove off she found herself without a role because Channing Tatum is producing the film. This has been denied by them, but according to an onlooker, onlooker, it was all about a row about whether or not Will Smith had the right to slap Chris Rock. And, of course, everybody's thinking, who was on whose side? Mm -hmm. And all I can surmise is that Tandawee Newton did actually make a film, The Pursuit of Happiness where she played the wife of Will Smith. And I suspect she maybe was on Will Smith's side. And she's now no longer on the film, and she's been replaced by Summer Hayek. Good gracious. And if we have a minute, because uh, I do like to sort of... What, just, do we? Just a minute? About 45 seconds, James. Well, 
again, this is from Variety. We're predicting what's going to win at the Oscars next year. And I'm just so excited because I'm a fan of Jessie Buckley. But they're tipping her for Best Supporting Actress for Women Talking. Directed by the wonderful Canadian actress Sarah Polly. Also starring Frances McDormand, Claire Foy, Ben Wishaw and Rooney Mara. Women Talking. And they're also tipping it for Best Picture. Best Director, Sarah Polly, and Best Adapted Screenplay, set in a Mennonite community. I am already so looking forward to this film. Okay, well, we shall look out for it. James, thank you very much indeed. My thanks to James Cameron Wilson. We'll be looking, of course, at more uh, on uh, the UK box office at the same time next week in the business of film. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley.